Look, it's a hat. The Force is back. Welcome to the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast, hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, and Steven B. Danley. Sky and Steve talk about the great rebel commando leader and Ewok queen, Leia Poncho, unloved storybook, ugly poster, international version, Jesus Christ Jorgulius joins us to talk about the fabled pink poncho, and Holy Spirit Ron Salvatore piles on to discuss vintage sculpts and their reusage, plus a deal or no deal debate D8, and an actually entertaining market watch game on the 108th Kivecast. Wampa Wampa. Welcome to Kivecast 108. 108. Yeah. It's our, our Leia Poncho episode, Steve. That's right. Yeah. And the last Leia figure. Man, that's crazy. Is it the last Leia figure? It is. Isn't that weird? Wait, did we we did Boosh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I was looking forward to doing Boosh. That was, you know, it's it's so nuts. I was thinking about this just this afternoon. Um, yeah, when we did that episode, that was like that was right after Carrie Fisher passed away. So it's been like three years wow. or more. Yeah, isn't that isn't that just nuts when you think about it that way? Yeah, it really yeah. is. Boy, maybe we should have got Bruce White on here. Oh. Yeah, I but know, in, I'm thinking instead about of it. Bruce White, we're going to get another North Carolinian. Uh, we're going to have Chris <laughs> Jorgulius. That's and, right. Um, Steve, you know, we haven't had Chris Jorgulius on the show in a long time. It's been um, a while. And one of the reasons is I've been boycotting him. Do you know why that is, Steve? <laughs> uh, well, I, I have one one suspicion, but I don't no, know. There's no, good, there's no good reason for our dear okay. friend Chris Jorgulius. It's because <laughs> I couldn't find the sound drop that I made for him. Because when my computer crashed, I, I lost like so much of the material for the Kivecast. That's why if you listen to episodes before the summer of 2017, uh, you hear a lot of things that you no longer hear anymore. And I was yeah. so bitter. But then I went trolling through the dark web of the archives <laughs> server. So you know, I, I have access to the actual you know web pages of the server. And, yeah. And there's lots of interesting hidden things on there, Steve. Um, but I yeah, managed I to explore too deeply yet. <laughs> yeah, um, I managed to find the Chris Jorgulius drop, so we will have him on here later. Chris Jorgulius, Chris Oh, that's good. Good to hear. We we, uh, we, we don't usually talk about baseball this early, um, <laughs> but I can tell you this, Steve. I literally don't know what's happening in baseball. Every year, I know what's happening. I literally have no idea what's yeah. actually happening so yeah, we can talk about that at the end of the episode if you're excited for that then you obviously have never heard this podcast before we get into the show too um i think we should mention that there's been another passing in the collecting community and i wanted to address that steve yeah, uh, yeah. james martin it's it's just a, a reminder to think about somebody who who made the community better no that's yeah it's it was really sad to, to see i i I knew that you must have had a, a connection with him at, by by some point through the, the Chewbacca collecting, but yeah, I I never really knew him, but I could tell that he was someone that a lot of people did know and and you know really meant a lot to. So um, while I was editing this, there there's no good way to segue into the rest of the show, so I'm just going to say R.I.P. James, and let's bring the show back up. I'm gonna put a little bit of music here to get us in a lighter mood. All 
I see. In that case, um, I actually asked you how did you feel about uh, Leia Poncho, and then I interrupted you to, to start off on that sour note. But I, I did think we needed to talk about that. No. So, Steve, I was totally not paying attention when you first started telling me. What are your thoughts on Leia Poncho? <laughs> well, um, yeah, what I was uh, thinking about is that, that this was the only Leia figure that I had growing up. So I, I had... I put, of course, you know, I, I lost the poncho and the helmet and everything immediately. So all I had was just uh, the simple gray outfit. And, and that was enough for me because that, that it was just the only Leia I had. And I, you know, I kind of it's there's that kind of uh, sentimental value to it. Um, but then, you know, as a collector now, when I look at the various Leia figures, I still think it, you know, with all the, the awesome stuff that she comes with, I think she's probably my favorite vintage Leia still. Um, really? But yeah, it was just kind of funny. Yeah, I th I think so. I mean, it it's it's up there. I I I, I don't know. It's that's that's where I'm sitting now. I, I think I probably will be for a while. But I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a controversial uh, stance. But I, I, mean, I don't know. For I me, imagine some people here. You know, they were they're going to be breaking their phones in anger. The yeah. Idea that, right. That Leia. I mean, I don't think anybody's favorite anything is Endor anything, <laughs> you know? That's true. It's, That's true. It's, yeah. uh, you know, like <laughs> like Endor Han, Endor Luke, Endor Leia. Uh, but it's, I, I don't, yeah. so it's just gray underneath the poncho. I never owned this figure. I've never held this figure before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's so it's just gray, um, just kind of gray military looking outfit, um, much like, almost like, sort of like general Maydeen in a way um and if you look at a lot of the the stuff like on screen when she's not wearing the poncho it's just a very plain kind of you know military style looking utilitarian uniform but yeah that was uh you know i and i think in terms of a toy you know like i i obviously i appreciate the, the classic original leia but when you look at the ball in a lineup it just as a as a vintage toy the the poncho and all that and the helmet to me, it just it just as a kid, I think I would have liked that one the most, and I still I still do, just kind of aesthetically. But well, well, definitely as far as we've talked about this before with Return of the Jedi, Return of the yeah. Jedi, the Leia, the the Endor scenes are all the scenes you really cared about as a kid, at least all that I really cared about. So yeah. this would have been the one yeah. that I would have wanted because I would have wanted to do right. the bike the the biker speeder bike chase and yep. that super exciting thing. Um, it's a yeah. pretty good thing that I never had it because there's no way I would have been able to keep the helmet. Um, although, what does... Yeah. Here's no, a trivia. No, here's a trivia. What does Princess Leia call her helmet in the movie? I think she just calls it a hat, right? Yes. Look, it's a hat. It's not going to hurt you. Look. Yes, that's what that's what she says to Wicket. Look, Just it's a, a hat. hat. <laughs> that's that's. Look, it's a hat. That's the, that's the famous line. I I uh, my sort of movie thoughts is I just rewatched that scene again, and yeah, it is yeah. such a delightful scene. I think, you know, yeah. uh, Mark Hamill gets so much credit for his acting with a puppet and a snake in Bespin, but I don't think that Carrie Fisher gets enough credit for how good that scene is. I mean just the way it's filmed where she's in camouflage and she's like dead on the ground, like amongst the dead trees, you know, there's yeah, kind of a, a yeah. sad nature to that. And then she gets woken up by this 
weird teddy bear thing that pokes her with a stick and her acting I remember <laughs> when I was younger just really relating to it and really appreciating her like nurturing warmth in that scene um and, yeah, and the, totally, totally. And I, yeah. I always I figured, wanted, yeah, well, I, we're going to probably circle back to that scene soon because Wicket is next in, in our lineup. So, right. um, but you're, you're totally right. I, I totally connect with it too. And the way that she shares the food uh, is just so, uh, just that yeah. food. Is that, yeah, okay, so do they eat food in every Star Wars movie, right? So they eat the, the blue milk in Star Wars and Empire uh, Yoda eats his soup. And then we get uh, Leia's, uh, I guess, and Jabba eats the frog, too. I guess there's a lot of eating in Jedi. But I always wanted to eat that thing. <laughs> and also, you know, that's the introduction yes, I, of the, I mean, what is that thing, Steve? You've done behind the scenes. What are they actually eating? I, no, I, I, that is something I've always, I, as a kid, I always wondered what it was. And I, I feel like at some point, I just kind of came to the conclusion myself that it was like one of those rice cake things, that you, like those Quaker rice yes. cake things. But who, who knows? Um, oh, I, I, I had a big, like, I know what I had a big rice cake phase. I thought that if I ate enough rice cakes, <laughs> I'd get thin. Back when I was in my heavier phase, so I would just pound rice cakes. Just like I'd eat like three cheeseburgers and then eat like ten <laughs> rice cakes and be like, "And I am done." Uh, also, also that scene yeah. with with her. I mean, how much it communicates about who the Ewoks are, who she is how resourceful she is, you know, I mean, she's in a threatening situation and the first thing that she does is sort of get a read of it and she moves very delicately and in a reassuring way, like she doesn't seem scared at all, uh, which, which I think is a real strength of her. her. If you actually read out her dialogue, it's, you know, I'm not going to hurt you, looks like I'm stuck here, trouble is I don't know where here is, she's just very, you know, maybe you can help me. Trouble is I don't know where here is. Maybe you can help me. Just the way that she's very quickly realizes her only way out uh, is is through uh, is through this you know this teddy bear is coming up to talk to her, um, and then of course yeah <laughs> look it's a hat <laughs> that's that's a that may be my that may be my favorite Star Wars line taken out of context look it's a hat oh yeah <laughs> and also on that scene Steve is the sound design. Yeah, it may be the the best sound design in Return of the Jedi for for two parts. One, the growl that the that Wicked gives. Cut it out. When she's the great growl, but then the the moment right before the stormtrooper hits, you know, and you yes. have that that weird bird sound. That weird, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've always wondered. I when I was younger, like. What the hell is that? Like, what is it? Like what? <laughs> it's so strange, but but so spot on. Yeah. So it's it really is a, a tremendous scene, and I think it I think it deserves more attention than perhaps it gets. I think you're right, yeah. Um, and speaking of things that deserve yeah, I, more attention than they perhaps get, I have another <laughs> theory about Carrie Fisher and uh, Princess Leia. Oh, okay. okay. So, you know, La Giconde, the famous painting by Leonardo da Vinci that hangs in the Louvre, which Americans call Mona Lisa, is famous because you can never 
well, it's famous for a lot of reasons, for its usage of sfumato, etc. But it's the grace of the face that really is what sells it. And the fact that you can never really tell if she's smiling or kind of frowning. If you look at the, at the Princess Leia uh, battle poncho card back, she is 100% mm. making a Mona Lisa face. Like, you can look at it and yeah. imagine that she's frowning, or you can imagine that she's smiling. And it works in both ways. Yeah. And I think it's the same in all yeah, of yeah, her yeah. card backs. If you think about the, the Leia uh, Endo, uh, uh, Bespin, the original Leia, like Carrie Fisher, maybe just because she has such a great, you know, gracious features or whatever it is, she's able to communicate that, like, are you smiling at me or are you frowning at me? What, am I going, am I too far, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't think you're too far. Um, and this this kind of ties into something I was reading about kind of behind the scenes um, in terms of how she kind of viewed Leia and especially when it got to Return of the Jedi. So I don't know if we want to segue into that or not. Hell but, yeah, Steve. Um, Time to go okay. behind the Steve. Let's go behind the scenes. Let's go with Dan and Steve. Let's go behind the Steve. Uh, so yeah, I, you know, it, it seems like, especially going into the last movie, Carrie Fisher was a little bit ambivalent about how the character is being portrayed by that point. And she has this, she has a number of quotes. Some of them are maybe not, not totally family friendly, but this one, um, this is from, uh, the Rinsler book, but, uh, she said that quote, you know, the princess is sweeter in this last episode. I've been a testy space soldier. So single-minded. I'm nearly mean for six years. And now I'm so nice and feminine, it's almost confusing. Huh. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought that was an interesting kind of way to look at it. Um, just from, from her personal standpoint, um, there's there's some interesting things about Richard Marquand. Like, she basically, I'll just say it here, she, earlier in that, that story, she, she uh, refers to her previous, like, being worried that she's being perceived as the, quote, space bitch. Right. And, uh, like, and Richard Marquand picked up on that, and... I felt a little weird about the way that that, that was kind of addressed um, in terms of his standpoint as a director and like really not liking the way that she was portrayed in Empire, which I completely disagreed with. But um, with Jedi, though, you, you can kind of see it, you know, both from that standpoint, but then also uh, from the costumes, right? So like with uh, the Java scenes, you have the Boosh kind of like hardline utilitarian look and then you have the slave outfit, which is obviously what it is. And then with Endor, you go from the, the combat poncho kind of military style thing to the the Ewok dress as kind of the counterpoint to that. Right. And um, to me, it just thinking about the way that they were referring to it, it just kind of seemed like a visual parallel to that kind of push and pull, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, but, that, um, that's true. That, yeah. That's a really good way of putting it, that in some ways she is this you know, absolute space bitch, you know, and then in the other way, she's a lot, but see, but the, 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 the bikini does kind of throw it off. Cause that's not, that's neither of those two poles, you know, it's neither is she the sort of brassy, get it done. I'm in combat fatigues or I am dressed up as a male bounty hunter. Right. Um, I'm not, I'm not quite sure how the, how the metal bikini fits in. It, it does definitely tell you something about how boy oriented star Wars toys were that they didn't make the the princess leia in ewok robes because that's sort of 
you know, that's the the most clearly enjoyable presentation of Leia and the whole thing and her hair and everything. But I, I imagine they just didn't think they'd have an audience for it. I, another kind of fun note, and I think I mentioned this back on our Rebel Commando episode, but one of the original opening crawls had a line that that read that, you know, a group of commandos was led by Princess Leia had made its way to the, the heart of the Empire. So I thought that was, you know, it's kind of the, the initial... Um, starting point for that idea is her is this you know the combat poncho leia that's what i think of is, is that the originating point for that but you know i think they really missed out on a iconic scene because what what if we had a scene of leia like leading the commandos into battle you know like actually like getting yeah. up and giving a speech yeah. and having them lined up behind her uh, that would have been that's that's kind of what it seems like was was maybe the original intention and um that would have been great yeah, for I, action figure sales you know because you could yeah, set totally. up because as it seems now our sort of default is just to imagine that all three of them are leading you know that everyone's just going together not the idea that right. she is this brave leader and yeah and as always yeah. steve i think we talked about this when we started the show 10 years ago but <laughs> what makes a poncho a battle poncho <laughs> that's i i figured this 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 joke was going to come back because it was one of the earliest episodes. <laughs> if we could just, maybe Chris Jorgulius knows, because this was probably a Kenner decision. They're like, yeah. Princess Leia with Poncho. Combat uh, Poncho, yeah. Oof, what about a... Oh, it's yeah. a combat Poncho. Luke has a battle Poncho. She has a combat Poncho. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so it went from combat to to battle later on with Luke. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's it's an amazing feat of marketing just to con to to convey the concept of a of a battle poncho. Wow, we've actually yeah. talked a lot about these items. Uh, I think maybe we could do my Sky Kuno. now. Yeah, I think I think that sounds about about right. Um, I. Uh, my daughter helped write this with me. She was quite interested oh, okay. in uh, in what a what a haiku was. Um, <laughs> but this is this is again. I'm I'm trying to write this. I tried to write a skyku just for that moment, the moment yeah. right before Wicked arrives. Okay. Okay. Oh wait, I have to change battle to combat. It's okay. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same number of uh, of syllables. <laughs> in combat, Poncho. Beneath the dead trees she lies, future Ewok queen. Nice. And I got help from my Serbian wife as to whether or not it should be she lies or she lay. So Ah. that was good. It turns out that lay takes a direct object. So that's actually very easy. That's no problem for me now that I teach language, but I never understood that before. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a fine detail. It's a good good to be aware. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So uh, great episode, nice. Steve. Well, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. So I, I, this is kind of unusual for us, but some of the, what we've been talking about ties into to, to one of the unloved items. I don't know if you want to jump jump to that. Oh my goodness! But... All right, Steve. We'll just we'll just <laughs> throwing things to the wind. I mean, now that I got my Christian Gullius drop back. I could Everything's care. okay. Everything is fine. I'm happy. I mean, since I lost that, I'm like, what am I going to... Now I've got two Pokemon, and you've got none. I'm... Well, Ash, you snooze, you lose, and you're way behind right from the start. I've got a Pokemon, and you don't... It was the greatest thing I ever did. 
Okay, yeah. Let's <laughs> let's talk. Let's start off with our unloved items. All right. You don't hate. Only the unloved hate. The unloved and the unnatural. This is the story of the Ewoks join the fight. Um. So the the first one. Uh, it's this storybook from Random House, um, from 83. It's called The Ewoks Join the Fight. And, uh, so I, I came across this in our preschool library. Um, and I remember just at that point I was just starved for any kind of Star Wars content anywhere I could find it. So you have to imagine, you know, 1988, 89, whatever it was, I found this. I was just so, so excited. And um, it's when you look at it now, it's this bizarre kind of retelling of the Battle of Endor. Okay. Um, a lot of it is, is very, it's simplified, obviously, for, for good reasons. But visually, you know, I always really liked the art. And one thing I noticed, having looked at it just the other day, is that it depicts Leia and her combat poncho through the first few scenes. It has her through the, you know, the, the encounter with the biker scouts and, and Wicket. But when it gets to the point where they're going to do the attack on the, the bunker, she just never changes back out of her Ewok dress. So oh, she wow. goes into the battle wearing the dress and they go into the bunker and there's this great, this bizarre painting of, uh, I'm going to pull it up yeah, here. Just it's all painting. It's not, it. it's like they're yeah. lush paintings, really nice vintage style. If you're, if you're looking at the, at the enhanced version or the YouTube version, you'll, you'll see just really high quality art here. Yeah, I, I love the the art for these storybooks. So yeah, the, I think my favorite image is it's within the bunker, and you have Leia in her ceremonial dress, and then I'm assuming it's Wicket just kind of covering his eyes in fear uh, <laughs> <laughs> as the stormtroopers come in. And I, I just like to think about if they had actually filmed all of these scenes while she was still, you know, she didn't go back into combat mode, how, how odd that would be. Um, and I just love that that, for whatever reason was lost in the translation when it came to, to creating this book. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, I, you know, for, I think there's a read along version too, that's slightly different. Um, and I, I'm sure like Kevin Lentz knows all about that with, with his read along expertise, but, uh, I just had the, the print version, the regular one. And I love the well, kind of alternate universe. This is going to lead into a, a very skyish thought here, but, uh, the, <laughs> okay. Because you know the the weird thing about the Ewoks is how much are they allegories for Native Americans, right? And very clearly they are supposed to be allegories for Native Americans and the Viet Cong, right? Some some sort right. of weird mixture of the two, and the dress yeah. and the hairstylings that they give Princess Leia is essentially a space version of turning her into an Indian princess, right? That's right. I mean that, yeah, that's yeah. the convention, right? I mean we we can think about how incorrect that is or politically incorrect or racist or whatever it is but the image that she has is very traditional with the braids in her hair and the fabric in her hair and the the tie around there and i think yeah if they had actually done that in the movie that whole scene would have read a lot more like you know indians versus uh, the cavalry, right? Like, it, yeah, it, it, it would have been way more little big man. Yeah. Than, um, then, yeah. then the commandos fight back. Uh, I think yeah. just looking at this image, it's very different visually having yeah. one of the members essentially in native gear going up yeah. against the empire. And I think it would have made it, right. I think it would have made it better. Actually. I, I think it would have made it less militaristic and more of the insurrection that Lucas was actually going for. 
Yeah. Well, and it's like the fact that there's an Ewok in there too. I think that's. Oh, that's uh, true. Cause, yeah. There's no. Yeah. There's yeah. Wicked never made it into the bunker. <laughs> no. <laughs> he should have. That would have been. Yeah. That would have been good. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I love these kind of, you know, alternate looks at things that we're so familiar with that I, you just never, I just never remembered this being so different. Um, but yeah, so that's, I had, I have a couple on love. That was just the one that was directly tied into kind of what we were talking about, but. As Leia's vision cleared, a furry three foot creature came into focus. She jumped back as he poked at her with a spear. Ouch, hey, cut that out. I'm not going to hurt you. Don't be afraid. The tiny creature lowered his weapon. Leia patted his head. That's it. Let's be friends. Suddenly, there was a rustle behind them. Um, I don't know if you wanted to tackle the other shoe. Sure. Uh, well, I, okay. I will say this. Star Wars yeah. posters are on figgity fire. It is insane Ooh. how much the Star Wars poster market has exploded. It's exploded so much, Steve, that I just said figgity fire and you didn't even blink. <laughs> uh, it's insane. I, and it's I, maybe we talked about this before, but I remember about five years ago, Yehuda telling me that he was going to buy more posters. And yeah, just, yeah. And the thing he did before that was he started buying hard copy parts, even if they weren't full figures, just, you know, arms exactly. and legs. So right. whatever Yehuda says he's buying, buy that. Like It's a, it's a good thing to, to keep an eye on. Just, yeah, just totally. ask him, like, hey, what are you getting now? And if he's like, I'm collecting the pogs, then you buy all the pogs that you can because he uh, – <laughs> it's funny. Isn't it funny that, like, I live in the same state as Yehuda and Ron and, like, both of them have, like, basically clairvoyant – capacities to see what's going to be successful <laughs> it's true i mean you you have direct access there yeah. um but yeah so the, speaking of yehuda that uh, it was a post of his that reminded me of this next item which is the the 1985 theatrical re-release poster for return of the jedi and i i remember seeing this years ago and not thinking all that much about it um but i've seen it kind of come up again and again I think a coworker once brought one in to my office a couple years ago and said, Hey, like, <laughs> what is this? Like, is this worth anything? I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot about this weird thing. Um, but so this, this poster, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like out of all the, the original trilogy kind of American standard posters, it's one of the oddest and, and just not, not nearly up to par with the others. Um, well, I, I think the, the, the sentence "Return to a galaxy far, far away" is great. Yes, I, that's good. I, and yeah. having the Death Star blowing up as the central image, of course, it's the first Death Star blowing up. Yes, okay. yes, it's the first Death Star. It's okay, but it, it is interesting because it spoils the movie on the poster. So that's how confident right. they were. Uh, right. And then the images that they chose, it's very syrupy. Like Wicket looks yes. like a goofball. Yoda is straight up smiling. Uh, yes, Lando is kind of smiling. Um, Dorothy Hamill, I'm sorry, <laughs> that that's Dorothy Hamill, right? No, that's Mark. That Hamill. is, yeah. Dorothy Mark Hamill looks like Dorothy Mark Hamill. Um, yeah. Han Solo. Uh, Yehuda had a great. Yeah, Yehuda said something great. I think he said along the lines of, you know, it's hard to make Harrison Ford look bad, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this, somehow this... they did it. He yeah, he looks it, like Hannibal Lecter wearing a Harrison Ford face. Like his, <laughs> it doesn't quite fit. Like it's a big head Han. He's gigantic. Yes, it's a big head Han. Yeah, totally. And, and, and then 
<laughs> Initially, I thought Whatever's this was a beautiful going on poster, with, with but now droids. I'm looking at it. The droids look weird. This looks like... Well, R2 is faced the other way. Yes. He's, uh, his face is more towards 3PO's groin than, than the audience, which is yes. interesting. This is the variation uh, called R2 fellatio. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and did you notice this is the only... Uh, original trilogy, you know, vintage poster that doesn't have Darth Vader on it. Oh, that's true. Isn't that weird? It's only good guys. I, yeah, it, but to to get to the Leia Poncho, I feel like the fact that she's at the center, she's the best looking part to me of the whole poster. It's yeah. the most, I think, accurate and least strange. Um, it's just, uh, that that's what made me think of it. But, yeah, because um, because that is, she is the absolute center. Leia Poncho yeah. is the center. Uh, after Mark Hamill, she's the most beautiful woman, and she's just she's got a very good determined look, and yeah, that's that that is true. That's very clearly a, I guess it's unloved. Boy, Steve, I initially yeah. liked this poster, but you convinced me to to just think it's <laughs> I, I don't junk. I don't mean to to dis, you know encourage disparaging thoughts, but um you know it, it just it's one of those. There's a lot of odd vintage stuff, and this is one of those where the oddity kind of crept into the. The, the mainstream I think um, but the the thing I another thing I like about this a lot so Tom Young is the artist he he did the original classic style A for Star Wars he did the right. style Hildebrandt always gets credit for it but it wasn't the Hildebrandts it was Tom Young who created the yeah. iconic Star Wars image yeah and so he he did those those for the first two movies and then this was kind of after the fact um, you know he I think he either approached Lucasfilm, I can't remember who approached to, but there's this great quote um, from him that, you know, the design was already settled upon. This is the kind of layout that they wanted. They just wanted him to illustrate it. And he says, this is in the, the Sansweet and, and Vilmer poster book, which please, you have to go find if you don't own it. It's, it's just essential. But uh, he says that, quote, they sent a guy from Lucasfilm to stand over my shoulder as I painted it until I got it the way they wanted it. And, to me, like I can, when I see this now, I just imagine this, like the pressure of right. someone standing over and watching as he's like, "Oh God, okay, I just got to finish this thing," and and that's that's how it turned out. So, yeah, it's it's just a, it's just so weird, but I I, I love it for its weirdness. I, I don't think it would ever be one that I would necessarily hang up on the wall, but um, I, I love the the bizarreness to it. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's. Thank you, Steve. I'm, I'm now just looking at the other posters done by him. And he's done a lot of really yeah. good posters. He did the Raging he's Bull poster. Uh, yeah, he did yeah. the Empire Strikes Back, the the weird one with, with Vader astride over everybody. Yeah, uh, the kind of light blue one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but I need yeah. to stop looking at posters. Yep. Because they okay, are on figgity fire, Steve. <laughs> yeah. And, and now you, you really want to get some international flavor. And you want to get to some international flavor fast figgity fast <laughs> steve because we're gonna have chris Tregulius on soon and before then yeah, i gotta go put yeah. uh, i gotta go tuck in my daughter i'm mean, gonna put her to bed she's 12 years old but you know i have to, <laughs> I have to tuck her in uh so let's go quickly through yeah, some international a quick, a quick vintage vintage world tour quick quick round because um, this is the thing you can do a lot with princess leia let's start yeah. up north in mexico okay <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the Lily Letty, there's a, a great version of her with this. So the thing that's kind of fun about the, the Letty version is, uh, at least in the example in the archive, it looks really nice. I've seen others that don't look quite as nice, but the bubble for this figure, instead of having the helmet or the hat separate, 
they just put a simple bubble and just stuck the helmet on her head. And uh, it actually, to me, it looks better that way than having the weird bubble or like, with the little hat up above. But yeah. um, I'm sure these are pretty tough to come by. Um, so that that's a nice thing you can track down from Mexico. Um, another, uh, I think, I don't know if we, we, we must have talked about these before at some point, but uh, from Japan, uh, Sakuda, they, uh, they put out figures, certain figures, Jedi figures with uh, Power of the Force coins, but instead of using the Power of the Force card backs, they just used Jedi carded figures and uh, kind of glued coins to the front, and sometimes that you can find them shrink wrapped. So there's Leia Poncha was one of those, but uh, the interesting thing is that they didn't use the, the Leia Poncha coin, they just used the, the standard kind of Princess Leia coin that was one of the mail away ones. Um, so there's a, a few of those out there, I think. Really? Probably the, not is many. that many? Well, I think there might be at least two. I, I feel like, because the, the one I'm looking at or referring to here is from Derek Ho, Uncle Gundy. But I feel like I saw another collector post a different one, because I'm assuming it was not Derek's. <laughs> right. That, that someone else posted. So I, I've seen at least two posted online. Um, but there can't be many of these. Um, and also, Steve, I had to do some research. The The actual image of the Lily Lady on... The archive is not that high resolution, but I found a higher version revolution. Higher version revolution, okay. and uh, it actually <laughs> says, uh, "En capa de combate." Ooh. So it's in combat cape, which I like is that. a lot cooler than the combat poncho. I think they should have called it combat <laughs> cape. That see that that just rolls off the tongue way better. Capa de combate. Yeah, I like cape. That 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 works. Oh, awesome. Okay, so we've gone uh, to Mexico. We've gone to Japan with the crazy sealed. I would like to at some point have a conversation with how many of those, uh, yeah, taped on Sakuda uh, coins are there, and then how easy are yeah. they to fake? Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So, uh, and this is not everything. Like this is just a sampling. So going to Europe, uh, the tri logo. There isn't all that much to say about it other than they they changed the the nameplate and the kind of backing for the character to, to red which i don't think works as well as the green i don't know about you but no um, it doesn't work as well it's also a little bit more uh like pulled out the image right the yeah that's true it does the kind of trilogo thing where you see a little bit more of her it goes all the way down to her upper thigh and yeah and it's it's not the worst as far as trilogos go uh but no but the, not, not the worst the color red doesn't work too well yeah i don't i don't think so either um uh, but something that I think does work well for the Trilogo is the the Power of the Force Trilogo set, which is the it's the Endor Chase set. So they had these. Um, yeah, Steve. I don't. Sets. I didn't really. I don't know if I know about these really. I think I might. <laughs> I've seen them around, but it was only yeah. in preparing for today's episode that I saw what they were and got really excited about it. So, <laughs> so first, I'm going to yeah. describe this box to you. It's yes. a Trilogo. Power of the Force Trilogo. So it's not El Regreso del Jedi, El Retour del Jedi, but it's Power of the Force Trilogo. So El Poder yeah. de la Forza and uh, La Guerre des Etoiles. It actually, it's funny, in French... <laughs> Just Star Wars twice, right? <laughs> yeah, because in French, in English it says Star Wars, the Power of the Force. In French yeah. it says Star Wars. And then in French, Star Wars. And then in Spanish <laughs> it says Star Wars, the Power of the Force. Yeah. So, that, yeah. so that's pretty interesting. And then uh, it's called the Endor Chase. 
and then in French it's called Coffre Jedi Speeder Bike. So it's the Jedi box. And then the Spanish one is Persecution and Endor. <laughs> Persecution on Endor. Whoa. Whoa. Okay, so, yeah. so on here you see one biker scout on a, on a bike, one biker scout out. You see Wicket and you see Princess Leia. And then what happened when you actually opened up this amazingly beautiful box? So I think they they had put carded figures inside and just folded them. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's that nuts. Like I, I I had never I did not realize that detail until just yesterday. I I feel like I maybe read it before, but I'd forgotten. I I, I think that's that's just kind of it. Just shows that the state of things at that point. Like I just throw these in a box. But then the artwork on the box, it's really, really nice. To me, it reminds me of like a Playmobil set almost. I don't know if you get that vibe from it. Yeah, yeah, I do. And it also features uh, Steve Hoffman is the person who owned this uh, on the the website. And I feel like we've talked about him recently. Yeah. I, if we haven't, then it's come up in, in some con- some conversation recently. Well, Chris um, Chris wrote the wrote the description of this because there's multiple yeah. of these kinds of things, and I guess they must have just had overstock and just put it together. Yeah, I, I don't know, but this is absolutely beautiful. I've never seen one of these in a collection. I've never seen one of these for sale. Um, I haven't looked for them either. But wow, this yeah. is very cool, yeah. and just the greatest language differentiation. Just Endor Chase. <laughs> uh, Jedi box and or persecution. <laughs> Although maybe persecution yeah. is how you say chase. In, is that how you say chase in Spanish? Well, I don't know. I, that's a good question. But when I see that word the way it's spelled there, I just think of the the, the English equivalent. I don't know. Right, I'm going to look but, up uh, chase in Spanish. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Perseguir. Okay. So it's it's uh, it's along that same Yeah, same Yeah. Line literal then. pursuit okay. is persecución. Ah, there you go. Caseria is what I would associate with it. That that's okay. the word that I would associate because that's like close to yeah. like hunting, like you know, chicken catchatory. Right. Okay. All right, Steve. Wow. Well, that that was quite. That's all just leading up to seeing Chris Julius. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> all right. So we're, I'm gonna go. Uh, my dogs are barking. I'm gonna go take care of them. <laughs> uh, I'm going to uh, tuck my daughter in, and then I will call you and Chris, and we'll be on the other side. Sounds good. Chris Jogulius. Chris Jogulius. Chris Jogulius. Yeah. Chris G. Yeah. I've got two Pokemon. And you've got none. Choose your lose. Yeah. Go take pictures of my collection. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're joined here by two for the price of one, Steve. We have, yes. uh, by the grace of God, Chris, I found your drop again. That's why you haven't been on the show is because I lost the drop, um, but I managed to find it. So I, I, I just played it. It's the greatest thing I've ever done. Uh, somehow I've never made a drop for Ron, but we're also including Ron the on Metallica here. The Metallica one? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. New James Hetfield impersonation. <laughs> yes. Uh, did you even know what James Hetfield sounded like before you made that drop? You had to like go research it. <laughs> you know, I, I was looking through my ticket stubs the other day, and I saw that I actually saw Metallica in concert, and I have no memory of it. 
<laughs> and I'm, I'm not a drugs guy or anything. And it's really funny because everyone tells me like the greatest band of all time and everything. And I saw them at Foxborough Stadium, and I have no memory of it. So uh, maybe I just stole a ticket. <laughs> but but what we what we want to do here is we we just want to talk to you guys first. I think we should talk a little bit about a, a little bit of news. But... news from the stars. Watch out! It's Kenner's news. It's Kenner's news. Because I would say uh, Ron dropped a bombshell on the collecting community, um, and it's not quite a blog post, so it's not a blog log pod. Um, but I would say yeah. it's one of the more significant discoveries. You've sort of hinted at it on this show before, or maybe we even directly talked about it, because I remember you It was on a podcast, like, uh, I mean, a blog post three years ago, four years ago. This okay. didn't have the photo with the sculpt. Yeah. And then the guy, a guy who, who had had the sculpt asked, I guess, Chris to post it, but Chris is too... What's the word? Archive, uh... Um... <laughs> My, Difficult or archive? Uh, <laughs> you don't yeah, have the so password. Do it. <laughs> it's, well, I can't. I, I need to have it reset. Ron works on it a lot more. I'm busy wheeling and dealing but, here. I don't have time for that stuff. Yeah, I had posted about it um, on a blog post several years ago, and I think I talked about it on your podcast. But right. I just didn't. The only thing that wasn't there was the photos. So the, the photos of the sculpt are new, but the information isn't isn't new. Right. So, but people probably forgot about it because that's that's what people that's, do. Yeah, that's remember. that's what I was gonna say. It, it's probably good to 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 circle back anyway. I find I might take offense to your term bombshell on the hobby because I don't hear who talked about it. Just about it. Well, just accept that no one cares about it. But why don't you summarize again the the finding and the the confirmation through pictures that you have here? Uh, okay. So. Years back, the, the the original wax sculpt for the Bosque action figure turned up. You know, so it's the actual art or the 3D wax sculpt that the Kenner sculptors made that generated the Bosque figure. Um, great piece, you know, that and the sculpt is in great condition and it's been in a private collection for a while. Um, and then the the interesting thing about it, you know, aside from it being a great piece, is that it had a piece of paper, a note with it, like so like. The sculptors had left a note with this piece, and it had stayed with it since you know 1979 when it was made. And it had noted that the the Bosque figure had been sculpted over the original version of Snaggletooth, which is of course the blue Snaggletooth. Uh, and you know that was obviously not known, but once you know it and you look at those two figures next to each other, it's like oh my god, <laughs> it's so obvious. That right. part, like, I don't know if obvious is the right word, but once you see it, it's hard to not see it again. Like, even their heads are so similar. Um, and so and the guy who had it told me that. I'm like, oh, my God, that's exactly what happened with the Hoth Stormtrooper, which, you know, Chris and I were there when that turned up. And uh, that sculpt for the Hoth Stormtrooper, which is also in a collection um, currently. It's been in the same collection for, for years. That turned up with... Uh, a note, a handwritten note saying it was sculpted over the original Stormtrooper. Uh, so it just totally jibes with, you know, experience of, of what happened with those things. And that those guys went out of their way to, to make those notes, at least in a couple of cases. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and you know, why, why would they do that? A hot, why would they do it? I mean, how, how I, expensive I is wax? I mean, it's not so much, it's just the work, right? I mean, all those sculpts have armatures inside of them and have little bucks and everything, and 
that's work to do all that. So if it's easier if you have it existing to just sculpt over it. Uh, so, I mean, they're trying to save time, especially up here on a tight deadline. And this stuff isn't generally saved for any particular reason. It's not like Kenner necessarily cared. Although the sculptors ended up saving a lot of it themselves. But uh, it's easier to sculpt over it and save some time than it is to create it from scratch. Uh, so, you know, that seems to have happened at least with those two. And what I had speculated in the blog post several years back that it probably happened with several other early figures. Um, but there's not the direct evidence for those, right? There's no notes that we have. Right. And, and so this note popped up when the sculpt was found? Yeah, I think that the, the, the sculptor or the employee who had had it sold it to a third party, and it had that note probably in the box with it or whatever it was stored, and then it got passed to the collector when he bought it. Right, and they spelled um, Bosk, B-O-S-C-K. <laughs> yeah, which is totally, like, yeah, I mean, those guys aren't Star Wars fans, right? So they don't necessarily know. And also, that, that could have been written before the carded figure was even out, for all you know, right? So they don't necessarily yeah. know what the spelling is. Um, so, yeah, that that's kind of the story. And so several years went by, and then the guy who owned it, um, I guess he was talking to Chris, uh, and I must have decided to put it on the archive. And then Chris said, hey, why don't we... I don't remember my password, so he's like, why don't you write it up? So I wrote it up for the guy. <laughs> I volunteered Ron to do that. So. Yeah, 20, so 25 years on the internet. It's still operating. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like it's always great. Like, even aside from the whole blue snaggletooth thing, I think it's just great to be able to showcase those sculpts because, I mean, there's several of them on the archive. I don't think there's any place else on the internet where you can see that stuff. There was some in the, the book by, you know, Matt George, Steve Ward, and Gary Borbridge that that collectors let them use, but as far as the internet goes, like the archive has tons of those photos. And I, I just noticed too when I, while I was doing that entry, Todd Chamberlain had put up a couple of great sculpt pieces on the archive recently, so people should check those out. A couple of yeah. acetate. Yeah, it's it's really nice. I I would say given your success rate, that we should just say that your your belief that you know Luke was turned into Bespin Luke and Leia was turned into Bespin Leia. I say we just take that as gospel and, and just... Oh, well, there's a good detail. Tom Derby, who's you know a real sharp guy, um, actually uh, brought up a, an interesting fact about the Empire sculpts that are out there from that era are mostly not pink in color, mm. but the Leia Bespin and the Luke Bespin are pink, right? So, ah. And is there another one too, Chris? What's the other... Han Hoth would have been the for the original yeah. Han, but that, that yeah. sculpting is not known to exist. It's not turned also, up, those it's... other sculptings aren't around, so there is no Luke Hoth. Yeah, Han, that's the other Leia. thing. Right. So it's sort of like okay, it makes sense that knowing that they reused them and knowing like okay, those sculpts should be around. They should have been in the same areas that the other ones were, and then they they're not, you know. So right. But it's interesting that, that that pink color turns up on both the the Luke Bespin and the Leia the Leia Bespin because it makes it seem like those were redone from earlier wax. And also, I think this is on the archive blog too. Bruce White did some like tinkering, I think, in Photoshop with the Leia Bespin. Whoa! Sorry, that feedback. Was me. <laughs> um, Bruce White did some tinkering with the the Leia Bespin photo sculpt. The sculpt photos of the sculpt in in um, 
in Photoshop, and uh, you can sort of see when you tinker with the colors that it may have been redone, that you can see sort of where the the, the alterations were made, right? And, and Chris pointed out, too, to me that in the Bosque, you can sort of see where the claws were added on top of other uh, a di slightly different colored wax. Right. Uh, and, yeah, and like Chris said, if you know this stuff really well, you know, like, you can you can name a figure to me, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that one exists, or the head for that exists. Like, if you know it really well, you know what has not turned up, um, and that kind of makes you suspicious about what was reworked. So then, I mean, you two probably know all of the sculpts that exist or don't exist for the entire line, right, between the two of you? Sort of, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm not... Okay, number one. Uh, but, so, when we think about the originals, right, so the only... Okay, I'm just going to go Chewbacca because that's what I care about. Only the torso exists, right? Uh, I think the whole thing... The legs the and the torso. The legs and the, the torso. Don't. Yeah. Is the it possible the... that the arms were reworked into something? Uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, okay. I don't know why they don't... <laughs> it's hard to out say. There. It's possible, I guess, Sky. I never thought about it like that because when it was found, it had the hard copy arms with it. Right. Mm. So, oh, really? I thought that Gus but, just put that together like that. That was how it was found. Yeah. yeah. So someone went to to the trouble like of pairing those arms with the thing, at, probably at Kenner, which is interesting. And then do, do we know, did they ever, after Empire, did they take Empire sculpts and then build Jedi sculpts on top of those? So, you know, we're doing Leia Poncho today. Is there a chance that some... I guess, well, obviously the Leia Hoth one isn't because you have that. I mean, did they ever do that going forward, Empire into Jedi? I'm not aware. Of, I don't think so. Yeah. I can't think of any examples. I the Leia Poncho sculpting and the Leia Bausch were, like, from scratch. They were new because there's the Leia Bestman's still around. The Leia Hoth is an acetate. So, yeah. Um, and the Bausch, you know, has, like, a bent leg. It's a little bit more styled there's there. you would... You would think, like, somebody who doesn't know what they're talking about would probably say, oh, ADAT driver was, I mean, TIE Pilot was definitely done over ADAT driver, but ADAT driver was an acetate, so that doesn't lend itself to do-overs. But they may have made a mold of the acetate mm -hmm. and used that to help them create the TIE Pilot. But mm -hmm. um, No, on the top of my head, I can't think of anyone that, that pops out immediately. You have to remember, in the 70s, in that period, they were super pressed for time, right, especially in those early figures. So that's a period where it probably is more likely to happen. Right. Wow. So it's cool. So if you have, I mean, I don't know, Steve, I guess I would sort of consider that being a two for one sculpt, right? I mean, if you have, <laughs> right, you, yeah. you, you basically have two figures in one sculpt. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. If you were a Snaggletooth collector, the Bosque sculpt would fit in your collection. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, sort of. And you can yeah. see the guy who, submitted the photos in the archive entry like you know he went through the trouble of getting some blue snaggletooth stuff some quite rare items to, to, to display with it so he obviously had that idea in mind yeah and there's the, the, the hard copy of the blue snaggletooth as well which I guess then becomes the, the furthest back in the production process that you can have of that figure yeah, yeah. I, here I found there's a blog post from 2016 so four years ago it's called Resculpt Redux and that's where I went through Bruce White's um, comparisons. And he also, 
he also showed some similarities between the poses of uh, Leia Bausch and the earlier, the Leia Bespin and the original Leia, which, I mean, I don't think they redid that one there, but they may have used casts or something, because it is pretty similar the way the arms are posed. Uh, but if he, anyway, if you're interested in seeing Bruce's analysis of the Leia's, check out that it's a post called Resculpt Redux. Awesome. Well, I mean, that's the bombshell this month. I mean, uh, two months ago we had the bombshell about the fake uh, Pepsi stickers. You know, <laughs> we're just we're just setting the world on fire. People are just they're just waiting for us to drop the next bombshell on everybody. Chris said it's a bombshell in the in the kink sense. <laughs> yes, it's a kink yeah, shell. It's another right. kink shell. Get more mileage out of looking at counting bumps on weapons nowadays. So that's, that's yeah, where everything uh, is. Now, uh, so the the Leia Poncho sculpt does exist, but that's not publicly seen anywhere, is it? I don't think so. Correct. Okay. Well, all right, hey, Steve. I guess As I, I mentioned in question. my blog post, like there's, you'd be, some people would be surprised. Like there's a good number of the figures exist in at least partial state so and that's mm -hmm. a credit to the Kenner people for saving so much stuff but of that how much of that is publicly out there because I feel like I've only ever seen I mean I've definitely not seen much, more man. sculpts it's a than, fraction yeah I yeah. think it's gotta be yeah, a fraction not right? that many. well not everybody wants to share their collections to things out of their collections but yeah there's not that many on the archives <laughs> yeah, pictures of my collection, yeah, yeah. It's insane. No, Christopher Gullius is an influential is. collector. He cast a long shadow on all these junior collectors who see that Chris never shares anything, so they're like, I'm going to be like Chris. I'm not going to share anything. <laughs> so, I'm that an anomaly. Happened. Most people do share their stuff, if you think about it. They do. And actually, I've been... So, I, I, I know you haven't caught up the last couple episodes, uh, Chris, or, or however much you haven't heard, but when I was um, defending... I wanted to create a debate about the deal or no deal, and uh, yeah. it didn't really go anywhere because I didn't have anyone to debate. But do you know what I gave was the number one reason why deal or no deal is good? What's that? You. The fact that you are selling things... Is is like everyone gets to see parts of your collection. Like I've never seen ever a picture that you've taken of your collection that you're sharing. I, I don't care if you're selling, you know, whatever random sand speeder prototypes. I'm like, yeah, oh my god, right. Christian Argulius is sharing his collection with the world. So that's uh, the beauty of it, right? And then it's all fresh to market. It's not stuff you've seen over and over. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, I saw that. Oh, there it is. So so what? Why did yeah. you? So. In the month since I signed up for Deal or No Deal, I've been on there a lot. I had no idea uh -huh. how big of a thing it is. Steve, do you spend a lot of time there? I, I mean, I, I feel like I still see a lot of stuff in my feed come through. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't really actively do much on there. I'll, I'll check it out, though. There's a, it, it just seems like there's always something going on, it, that's for sure. It's insane. And, I mean, you, you two have been here for a long, long, long time. But is it not the most concentrated place for interesting items that there's ever been? I mean, was was it more interesting on Raskova and all that stuff? Because it seems crazy no. how many high-quality items come up just constantly on there. Yeah, I mean, it's it is. Perfect I mean, time, I think, man. I think so. Why, why do you think that, Ron? Yeah, it's a perfect time, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
it's just I mean I think people people want the auction format but eBay has made it horrible for all the fees and all the other stuff so it's like now you have this site where you can put stuff up and you don't have to put a price on it and let people just throw out offers um, it's not quite an auction because you don't have to end up selling it but it, it gives you flexibility uh, so it draws a lot out and people are home right so it's like they got they're on the internet uh, they've been in quarantine so they're sitting there looking at stuff and it's like oh I can throw out an offer on this and the seller can say it gives the seller some feeling where it's like well I can throw it out here and see what people are interested in paying and if nobody's that interested I'll just put it back on the shelf and that's kind of what I think a lot of people want that right? so yeah. uh, it's drawing a lot off the shelves where it's like I don't need to sell it but okay maybe I will and because people are home I think that, that some of the offers have been good enough where even guys who thought maybe they wouldn't sell when they added it on there are like okay well I'll sell for that uh, and then it's just a you know, uh, avalanche from there. It's just you know, one, a few guys start doing it, and then a few more start doing it. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I know you don't like it, Sky, but it, it seems. I, I'm not sure I if I it, don't like it. I it I can't quite figure out what the what the the toss up would be. I mean, the thing that I don't like about it is that it is so clearly seller focused, and it it really it does kind of stink for buyers because. You know, it's just you're at a. It's, oh, it's the buyers set their price. I think it's perfect. It's like perfect marketplace, and the buyers and the yeah. sellers set prices. You know, you you've always had people haggling for you know for for centuries. You know that was you know traders. You know and hagglers. Um, the other thing I'd add to what Rob what what Ron said was, um, in addition to people being home, a lot of people who are collecting are people of decent means and they're still working and they're not otherwise spending money and they're staring at their collection. So it's, it's a good convergence of a lot of things. I mean, me working from home has allowed me to, the time to get in there and root things out that I hadn't yeah. thought about trying to sell. So for me, it's been a good time um, being at home and, and finding things. And I, I, I don't think it's bad for buyers at all because the buyers can look at it and decide, they don't have to look at a thing and go, oh, it's overpriced, you know. And and now, the 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 whole format. Hit, when it first started, people used to throw out a good a good number. Sometimes, you know, one or two numbers, and boom, you say deal it was done. Over. Morphed right. into a freaking auction format where people want to start super low and inch it and inch it and inch it. And maybe it's because they just want the excitement. Um, but I found now I have to put something up and just leave it for a day or two and see what happens because early on people were like, I put an item up, you know, and then somebody like four hundred dollars like sold done and right. it's over and you can move to the next one. Now it's like I'll start you off at ten dollars. <laughs> we got to get to five hundred. Don't start off at ten dollars. Don't start. Just put in. And it's funny because some people will put a, a, a value, and I'll see at the end I'll see they'll end up paying four, five, six times what they started with. Is like. You wanted to win it. Put your snipe, snipe in and, and nail it. You know, everybody wants a deal. I can understand that. But sometimes it's like, at least early on, it was like, throw your number out, get it, and move yeah. on. You know, everybody's like, yeah. oh, shit, that sounds great. I'll take it. And we'll just, it's yeah. done, and then you move to the next thing. But now so that it's, it's become fun. an auction, it doesn't, because there's no, like, automatic buy it now or whatever. So let's say, for example, if uh, some modern 
Chewbacca prototype, you know, some modern Chewbacca like weird foreign variant, like like a German sticker. Some guy's been selling a bunch of stuff with German stickers, mm-hmm. and, and I've been watching carefully, seeing if a Chewbacca comes up, and it's like. You know, that's something that I would buy on eBay if it was a buy it now for a hundred bucks. But right. probably right. I would be able to buy it at celebration for fifty at a room sale. When it comes up now, I'd put fifty. It would be up to a hundred in a second. One of the other kind of modern dudes would be there like one fifty and then it'd be one sixty, one seventy, and then everyone would be bidding against each other. And an yeah. item in which the seller would have been perfectly happy getting 150 bucks with, I would have been perfectly happy putting that out. Like it, it, it becomes this weird sort of, it's so weighted towards the seller. But then because of that, you know, if you're, you know, if Christian Aguilas is selling things, then that's good for buyers because if that's the only way that you'll let stuff out of your collection, right? Then, well, then what the hell? I mean, it's, you know, better. It's drawing a lot of stuff out, man. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. yeah. Look, look at the, look at how, like the quality of it. I'm like, if you like tonight, I listed something. It's a, it's a label from Kenner products. It was when they sent uh, merchandise to Lucasfilm, it's addressed to George Lucas. Have you ever seen that? No. So it's like, you don't know what the values of some things are. You know, it's great for for somebody's like, hey, just like Ron said, put it up there. If it sells for a price, then I'll move it. If it doesn't, I'll just put it back on the shelf. You know, I mean, um, so it's, it's... I mean, it also came around right at the time when the, the selling on the other groups kind of just stalled out. Like, it's just, people don't list stuff as much anymore in the regular groups. And when they do, like, because it's you have to put a solid price on it, they almost always way overprice it because they think... Mm-hmm. I don't want to underprice it, so it's it's always way too much. People are just like, and they either don't say anything about it, or it, or you know, just don't even bother. Or they do that stupid thing that to work around, where it's like, I'm going to post this member valuation, where it's like everybody knows that behind the scenes, people are making offers on it, which is just like this completely weird. I, I hate that thing, that member valuation thing. Yeah. Uh, so this, you know, people just like they put it out there, like, hey, make an offer. Either I'm going to put it back on the shelf, or I'm going to get a number that I'm happy with. And people love the, I think, the flexibility of it. Uh, but yeah, there's no perfect system. I mean, there's always going to be a situation where something sells for more than it would have, um, and that's, I guess, negative in some ways. But you know, that's what draws the stuff well, well, off the shelves too. It, it does, you know. And Sky, you know, let's, let's say somebody lifts that Chewbacca for fifty bucks on some site, and you're not, if you don't see it, right? Five minutes, you missed it. You missed it by one minute, and you're like, oh shit. I would have paid two hundred dollars for that. Well, this gives you the opportunity to to chime in and be like, "Yes, you know, if you're as confident as finding it at a room sales for fifty bucks, then you can wait around and wait to find one for fifty bucks. But if it's something that you never see, if it's one of a kind piece, then it's like, well, your your interest, you know, dictates what you'd pay. But one thing I've noticed, there's so much, there's so many things that people, you know, they're they're hot and heavy. But then they can easily be like, ah, okay, I'm maxed out. I'll just wait. And it's like, nah, I think I'll see what the next thing is. So people are very, um, it's it's all, it's not, there's no like super committal to like that piece. It's like, ah, if I don't get this one, I'll just get something else. You know, it's like, oh man, it's just like, and and then other people, people are collecting so many different lines now. It's not even competition within Star Wars, you know, people are buying other toy lines that they're into so they're they're really yeah it, it does that is maybe my um, favorite part about it like today someone was selling a teen, teenage mutant ninja turtle hostess display for the mutant turtles ninja i uh, know mutant pies 
and it, <laughs> and it just it just looks like the turtles are pooping out like a toilet uh, a uh, a sewer grate like it's unbelievable it's just mutant pies yeah very uh, yeah no I I think in the end it, it probably is a good thing and. I think it's okay to, to, to benefit the sellers, and it is especially interesting. Yeah. There, I, I have seen a tendency, um, well, okay, not a tendency. One person who all of us know very well and who is the godfather of the archive has been putting things on, on deal or no deal, and then once that ends, he then makes puts it for sale slightly higher somewhere else. So... I don't think it's that big of a deal, but like, what do we think about that? Like using it as a way to get a price with, with the intention of selling it somewhere else. I don't think he's doing that. I I think it's more like you had expectations for what you wanted to do and it didn't hit that. And you've already run through all those people. So you can't just retry to resell it to those same people. So you listen somewhere else, hoping, hoping you'd get a different crowd that looks at it. Right. You know, some things like I put up, I don't know what what I wanted for it. Right. I mean, Right, right. It never hit what you wanted. Sometimes I know kind of what I'd like, and there's other times like I don't know, and then I'll yeah. see it when I see it when I get the offer. There's other things like, oh, yeah, these offers didn't hit what I wanted, so it's like, okay, I'm going to try a different venue. It's not like trying to use it to determine the price and then finding another. Well, once you've exhausted this pool of buyers, you know, people, you can't sell it to the same people who have already seen it. You just have to go to another neighborhood. Right. You know, <laughs> Hope, hope somebody new is checking it out. Steve, I, I was talking about Gus, by the way. Steve, I know that was, I was, that, was, that, was a, that was a real a real secret who I was talking about there. <laughs> I know, I know. For me, like just the the lack of like for lack for lack of a better term, brain power that I have to put into it is a big thing. You know, cause I recently sold one of the Earth conversion rocket frying Boba Fett's on there with the box and everything. And you know, I've I know they've never sold for all that much money, but in my mind, it's like, okay, this is a cool item, and I know there's not many out there, right? So, I'm thinking I don't want to sell this for for less than 600 bucks, but if I'm going to go on the 12 back group or something and sell it there, I'm thinking, okay, I want at least six, but then because people are going to haggle, I have to put it out for 750. Right. Do I want to do that? Are people going to say, oh, that's way too much? Those are only, and it's just like ah, and then it just goes back on the shelf because I don't want to deal with that issue, <laughs> but. Uh, on the deal or no deal, I could just stick it out there and be like, okay, let me know what you'll do, right? And it turns out, yeah, I got my 600 bucks, and you know, I didn't have to put any effort into thinking about it. I just stuck it on there and let people throw out offers for a little while. Uh, so I, to me, that's a big benefit, like not having to think through your selling strategy or having to come up with a, a, a value that's going to get you what you want for it. Um, right. You know, that's yeah. pretty awesome, I think. Wow, so, so maybe ease yeah. ease is a big big benefit. You know, just taking down, take a picture, put it out there, and saying, "Tell me what you'll pay." Yeah, <laughs> I like I like that aspect of it. Yeah, well, well, maybe Steve, the whole you know, going back to Rebel Scum, where you had to list a price, and then Facebook adopted that policy. Uh, maybe that was just a bad policy. Maybe you know, maybe eBay just ended well, up before, sucking so before bad. Before Rebel Scum, remember, you guys probably don't remember, but on the old Usenet groups, auctions were like a huge thing. There was like you you go and place your bids and then the person running the auction would update it every day right. with the yeah, new bid. Yeah. Um and no pictures, right? And so really um the the whole thing of you have to set a price came in with the the moderated forums. Uh, before that auctions were fairly normal. Or just hey, make an offer. Like I have this, I might sell it and whatever. 
So, I mean, it's not like it's wholly new. It just hasn't been done in a while. Yeah, it's like you're talking about the flexibility now, I think. I think, and then yeah, the being at home. I think both of those things are totally like fueling into what's happening. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's great. I'm 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 not actually really against it. I was. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't even super against. I mean, it's not like the the battles or whatever, you know, where it's just like that's just pure <laughs> oh, evil. You know what I mean? Battles. But no, but it felt like Man, that people, when it came. People out. keep adding me to that page, and I keep like <laughs> taking myself off. I don't want to watch these battles. It's painful to me. <laughs> so okay, oh, well then, then let's get to our our uh, our actual nugget, Steve. Now that we're here, okay. we've we've got to the news with Ron's awesome thing about sculpting, and and this is the thing, Steve. Even if it's not a bombshell, and the whole world isn't talking about it, for those people who do care about it, this is totally awesome. And I think yeah. in a similar way, people just want to talk about the pink poncho Leia. So, Chris Jorgulius, <laughs> tis a nugget. From the archive. Tis a nugget. Oh my god, they're gorgeous. From the archive. Oh my god, they're uh, Tell us the story about the pink painted poncho. So, um, Kenner would often with their cloth, with their cloth accessories, you know, do some in-house um, samples and then even um, samples from their vendors. So a lot of times they're just after like the right color sometimes after the, or after the right material type. Um, um, uh, pink wise is interesting because there is a pink cloaked prune face out there and there's a pink cloaked squid head like Kenner hard copies, I believe. Um, so it wasn't too far of a stretch when some of the, like the engineering pilots from out of uh, China turned up um, loose. And then there was a, at least two or three on cards um, there on Hoth Storm, Empire Hoth Stormtrooper cards. And I was thinking about it after you mentioned talking about the pink poncho. It's possible that there was no camouflage for them to make something out of, you know, because mm-hmm. it was like, where the, oh, why would they have, why would, why would clothes, um, so these toy, toy company, toy, toy, um, factories are making stuff, you know, they're probably making girls, to- girls toys out of cloth, right? Well, yeah. girls toys got a camouflage print on it. So for them to get the, you know, some kind of sample that pink was probably right there because that's a girl's, a doll color, um, and um, it's probably why they had that material around. So, um, which made sense why they'd have it on there. So, there are some loose figures. Yeah, I think they're first shots. Um, the carded figures, we don't know if they're like undated for such, you can't see the back of the legs. They look otherwise production except for the pink, but yeah. there are some, typically those, those figures you'd see, um, on earlier card backs. Those are like typically like, some, some people say samples, some people say mock-up. A lot of them are marked EPs or engineering pilot. So it's like, it's otherwise a production. It's just got the wrong card. 
But in some interesting cases, the figures will be different. So you have like the, the, the Han trench coat with the brown plain trench coat. Um, there's some big, unpainted big fortunas that have turned up like that, like Rebel, Com- Rebel Commando and right. shot in non-production colors. But more, more than often than not, it's like a regular looking figure and it's on a, a different card back. Usually it's an, a Jedi figure on a Empire card back. They didn't yeah. seem to do this like in the Star Wars and Empire area. It's more like a, a Jedi Power of the Force era um, thing. And then what's interesting, I circle back around. So on the Leia Poncho, one of the first ones I'd ever seen, it had a venture store price sticker on the card. And um, when the first, some of the first ones turned up in Toy Shop magazine, there was one of the ads I remembered. It was like, are these the first ever Jedi figures? And they were from a seller in Australia that got them out of a Hong Kong warehouse. Hmm. And they were the, um, it was a Leia, a Leia Bausch on an Adat Commander card. Um, the Big Fortuna unpainted on an Empire Lando card. A non-production color plastic unpainted Rebel Commando on a Lando, ESB Lando card. So most of those were like non-painted or weird plastic colored Jedi first shots on those earlier cards. Um, so, and then, it, so it was like, okay, so these turned up in this Hong Kong war, so they turned up in Australia. Well, that venture company, that venture store chain is in Australia, but it's also in the Midwest too. I learned when I was researching it. And, um, you know, there, there was stock from Hong Kong that got sold at like toy markets and things in Australia. So it wasn't a huge stretch to, to think, oh man, so somehow some of these prototypes got out and were packed in cases and they it hit retail. Um, and then the weirdest thing was, so um, Jeff Carell about three years ago was at Walmart in North Carolina. He sent me a photo. He's like, look at this. And it was a Jurassic World toy. And it was in a completely green box with Chinese writing on it. <laughs> huh. And it was a die cut and everything. It was like, oh my gosh, they stuck an engineering pilot in with the rest of the stock. Oh my and God. It was sitting on the toy shelf. And um, he took a picture of it. I was like, buy it. He goes, I already left. I'm like, dude, go back and buy that thing. I'll pay you for it. And he, 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 did, he, he went back a week later. It was still there. He had to wrangle them at the cash register. I said, buy a regular one because so, I want a regular one with it. And then, so he talked them into scanning the regular one twice. But that was a real <laughs> world example, like modern, like just, just happened, right? Of a, an engineering pilot somehow got it mixed into the production stock and sent in as just another toy. Wow. So, yeah. so, so that might be I, the answer know, like, to, to how some Revenge of the Jedi, you know, like actual toys got out there as well. Because I have that. Revenge of the Jedi uh, VME, and it's you know it's definitely on the shelf. And I was trying to figure out how is that mm-hmm. possible. Maybe they were just boxed up and and sent as well. Do you think that's or is that still not a good enough answer? I think it it completely no. I think it is. I remember that turning up. I think I think it's completely plausible that y- you could have had some some samples around. You know, and if somebody's packing real quickly, it's like it looks the exact same. It's really it's the same toy. It's like 
who knows how many actually did that. It's just like they got opened and thrown away. We only know like what's still saved in packages. Right. right. Yeah. You know, and it probably happens very infrequently. So it's sort of when you figure out how often it could have happened with, you know, how many toys were sold, you know, maybe one existence is one in existence is about right, you know. So but we don't know. We can only base things on how many are around now. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And when you work in a factory environment, you can see, like, it's so easy for that stuff to be, like, in a box over here. And they're like, oh, shit, we're short. We need to pack out this case. The guy's like, yeah, wait a minute. We have some over there. They're the same thing. Just put it in there. It's just a toy. It doesn't matter. It's not like medical equipment. You know, this kind of passive test or food or something. It's just a toy. So it's perfectly legit to pack that in there. And ends up on a store store shelf just like that Jurassic World Well, in kind of a a weird way have any of you seen the remake of Child's Play yes it's it's quite good because they they replaced all of the the mystical component with making it all about AI Um, and so the whole thing is that some guy in a factory I think in Vietnam probably not China because they're afraid of uh, angry in the Chinese is like angry at the factory and instead of making a normal Chucky doll he makes an evil Chucky doll and sends it out Uh, so it's it's actually it's really quite good and in a way it's kind of like that just like I don't know I'll just send out this weird evil pink poncho Leia and just you know someone will get it and who cares about it because what what do they care about it in the factory I was actually looking um, I was looking on speaking of rebel scum and um, I was looking earlier and saw the uh, I think it's is Ollie Suds the same Ollie that's Ollie on Facebook? I, I think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, he sold in 2018 two first shot Princess Leia uh, pink poncho prototypes. Um, so I'm going to I'm going mm-hmm. to play a, a little uh, market watch. Do you, how much do you think do you think the the unpainted one sold for? How much do you think, Steve? Uh, I think I'd, I'd already seen it. Yes, a loose. Uh, oh, you already saw it. Yeah, yeah, I sent you, I sent you the link. Yeah, well, agree to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Steve. Thirteen thousand dollars. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, this is what uh, two thousand eighteen, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, those are yeah. some two thousand eighteen prices. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty pretty high point there. But but he has yeah. the the venture price stickered uh, Princess right. Leia as well, the the pink. It's pictured in there, yep. Uh, with that price tag of, yeah, 279 That's just, uh, yeah. that's pretty wild. So do, do either of you have a good story about uh, finding any pink poncho Leia's? We never found one in, in Kenner area. Just the, uh, the, the ones I mentioned earlier, the um, prune face and the squid head. Um, Gus and I photographed those at Tom Nyheisel's house in 96 and put those in the archive. So those are hard copies. Um, that's closest I can think of. I do know that Bill Wills and Tracy Hamilton did find one of those pink poncho on the Hoth Stormtrooper card. They had it for sale at Celebration Orlando, I think. It was like three celebrations ago celebration i think it was three um and they had found that in cincinnati all right we can't get them to to tell any fun stories about pink ponchos (laughs) hey ron we we were sort of talking earlier about the the endor chase tri-logo power the force thing that seems like a kind of item you would have do you have one of those 
I don't. I have the Hoth one. Okay. The one with the uh, the Wampa and the Tauntaun. Is it just me or... Yeah, or, yeah those, those I mean, aren't talked I'd love about. to have all of them, but it's just they're tough and expensive. Yeah, it's uh, they're they're pretty cool, and, and they really were because according to the description by Chris Jorgulius, on the inside they are just tri logo figures folded. Is that have you confirmed that, Chris? Um, I don't know if they're I'm all pretty like sure that. they still are. It's possible some turned up now with bags. I think they're I think they're folded tri logo figures. Man, when I wrote that art that entry, hardly anybody had ever seen those things. So a lot more European guys. <laughs> Done more research yeah. on this. Chris probably wrote that in 1995 <laughs> yeah. when like two of those were even known. Like, right. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell by the the quality of the photo yeah. that it probably was yeah like mid maybe mid mid 90s. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was ahead of the we were ahead of the curve. What can you yeah. Think? People always send me like things on the archive. Like, They're like, oh, you wrote this. I'm like, yeah, man, I wrote that in 1997. <laughs> like I, you know, like, yeah, I understand it's, it's outdated. Yeah. It's a long time. I wrote I wrote that before Clinton was reelected. So yeah, let's uh, let's take it easy. Ridiculous. Um, yeah, and that was in the collection of Steve Hoffman. Have we talked about Steve Hoffman recently? Did we? I love that guy. Yeah. No, I feel I like no. I haven't even heard from him in a while. I, I just everyone he up again years ago. Did he? Like, do, 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 who was he? Why do, why does his name ring a bell to me? be a pretty prolific dealer in toy shop he was star wars Steve hoffman he was really big into non-us things early on like in the 90s he was always looking for non-us um and he can you know, he was at the time you had al rosen who was mr mitt he came on the scene he was on the baseball car inside he was trying to buy up anything mint condition and try to corner the market but he never had enough people selling him things and uh, there was probably too much around but 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 uh, I remember Steve had one ad because he was he was a Al Rose was like Mr. C10, Mr. Mint, and right. Steve did an ad, a parody ad in Toy Shop. He's like Mr. C anything. He goes, <laughs> uh, like Katana cut on a Takara card. I'll take it. You know, and other things like that. Just think, Steve Steve Hoffman was collecting foreign figures and that was unusual like most people didn't want anything to do with foreign items like you know and he even, was like even the people there in other countries stuff. right yeah, even yeah. the people in other countries only wanted and, the u.s stuff so and he was i think the first guy to try i remember he was the first guy i remember trying to get all the three packs and he was advertising to try to get all the three packs the last time i saw him in person was maybe celebration one i remember walking around <laughs> the tents with him and I bought a Takara Vader with the white background at Celebration 1 for like 200 bucks. Wow. I just remember him being like, if you don't buy that, I'll buy it. <laughs> I like, all right, I better buy it. Steve's going to buy it if I don't buy it. I don't think I remember seeing him after that. He popped up again. I mean, he was a big into eBay stock for a while. I remember that. And then when eBay was going crazy on the stock market. and But I haven't heard from him in years. I, don't, I haven't seen him around. You, you, see, you see, Steve, we got the story. I knew we'd get a good story. That, that was what I was hoping for. I, I remember looking through the, the scrapbooks, Chris, that you made of Toy Shop, because I remember Al Rosen from the from baseball card days, you know, Mr. Mint. I, I remember his ads, and then seeing that he did that with it was Jawas, right? Didn't he? Wasn't his whole thing Vinyl Cape Jawas that he, he advertised that he wanted? No, he, he had a find. You know, he had a find with Josh Polinski of Plastic Dreams. They went in together and they bought it. Somebody had sold him like a partial case. Because at that time, there was like two different people had partial cases of vinyl. They were single, single pack 
like 96 count box of just vinyl Cape Jawas, and two different two different people had had put those away because they used there was a um, 21st century theater chain, and these people had relatives that had worked in there, and they were selling. Somehow, those were being sold at the theater at the time. Right, that's and the right. people that sold whatever, and then they took the rest of the stock home. Because I remember in the late '90s, the guy showed up on eBay early on, where it was still like auction web, and it was like eBay wasn't even like eBay.com; it was some other slash something blah blah eBay or auction web. So it was early on, and I remember him selling one, and then people. And then I bought one from him, you know, and I remember Chris Nichols ended up buying the guy. It was like, then he was exclusively selling him to Chris Nichols. And he would just like, he would never tell you how many he had. He would just sell like one and he would wait a few months and then he'd sell another one. And then he'd yeah. sell another one. And and they went on and on. But, you know, he must have bought two, two dozen of those things at least over time. But it was those two people with those single, with those cases that, you know, caused it to be so many vinyl cape jawas or carded vinyl cape mint carded vinyl cape jawas around you know they were i think you never on can't remember um that uh josh valensky he was a he was a big dealer in the jersey new york area back in the 90s and his kind of thing was for whatever reason he seemed to always have like cases of unused product right so it's like when you'd see him at a show you'd have like case of like millennium falcon micro millennium falcons or a wings or something and it seemed like he had mr mint had maybe talked to him and, and they had this idea that if you really advertised you would get more of that stuff out of the woodwork you know sealed cases you know unused product but i mean for whatever reason i guess it, it just that wasn't there so it never really seemed to whatever he was looking to buy unused product it never materialized um but yeah, back in the day, like you'd go to the Jersey shows, and there's guys like Art Lou and Josh Valensky would have cases of stuff, and this like you know mint A wings pulled right out of the box. But those days are gone. And, you know, it seemed like Mr. Mint was trying to get the last wave of that, and it never came. It never, just never happened. <laughs> Instead, we had Mr. C anything. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, advertising yeah. big time. I think trying to pull stuff out of the woodwork, and it just seemed like it wasn't there. So I guess that was that. Wow, this this is a. Uh... Ah, this is why I love having you guys on because we can always we can always find some kind of story. Uh, yeah. Well, Steve, what what else do you have on your on your little show notes here? Is the only thing that's left? Um, are we gonna are, are you gonna ask us <laughs> to do a market watch? <laughs> well, I, I figured it, I always leave the invitation open. And I feel like I think Ron usually declines. I don't know if Chris declines, it'll just be you. Okay. <laughs> so, market watch? Uh, oh, man, you don't need me and Chris on for that if thing. If you're like <laughs> me and you think market watch is too long. <laughs> but hey, it's gotten shorter, I think Chris. People, we, we've gotten better about shortening it up, yeah. It's, uh, it's people up who are listening to this should send a letter, an email of support to Sharon Jergulius because I think she's majorly concerned that Chris is going to turn their whole house into a deal or no deal assembly line. <laughs> Just like industrial level packaging peanuts and bubble wrap, just uh, getting it going. Just I think yeah, she told me that Chris Chris had referred to a room of their house as a staging area for for packaging. <laughs> <laughs> staging area. <laughs> uh, funny. All right, it sounds like they're down. Okay, so what's the first one, Steve? <laughs> All right, what? we can.
$1 flicks. Market Watch. We, we, can, we can we can do it or we won't we don't have to it's it's five things so and hopefully it's not too painful but you have to try and keep that that flame burning <laughs> um all right all right so it's five things okay. we'll go quick all right the first one is this is all Leia poncho stuff all okay. right so the first one is uh, a tri-logo Leia poncho um ungraded that's all i'll say carded figure Okay, I have my number. Go quick, to Agulia's time. Get to the staging area. <laughs> right. Let me know when you guys are ready. Who wants to go first here? Uh, you have to guess. Uh, so, carded, trilogo, lay a poncho. I'm going to say yep. 70 bucks. Okay. What about you, uh, Sky? I said 300. All right. Chris? Uh, 250. 327. Yes. Ooh, <laughs> I am the superior Star Wars nothing. collector. Okay. What's next? <laughs> All right. Next, we've got uh, just a loose, complete, ungraded, but nice condition Leia Poncho figure. Holy. Just like a loose figure? It's just the loose figure. Oh, uh, nice. Oh, those those things are crazy now. They are. They are. Um, I, I would have been completely off if oh I was playing this. I, I listened to Dave Quinn's last podcast, which was all about loose figure values, so oh, I know no. that that's a tough one. Oh. Okay. So I'm going to say 80 80 All right. I'm saying $123.45. Okay. And what about you, Chris? Uh, what I should say or what I think they're worth. What, what what do you think it would sell? What what do you think it just sold for now? Not what you what you would value that. <laughs> um, sixty five dollars. Ron was close on that one. Eighty two. I, awesome. I would have put like thirty five bucks. <laughs> yeah, I owe it all to Dave Quinn's podcast. Uh, what's yeah. it called? Star Wars production and prototypes or something. Yeah. I can't remember. Insider insider trading there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, the next one. All right, this is uh, a Lily Letty carded uh, Leia Poncho. It's like most of those, it's got some issues, um, but it's sealed, uh, a little roughed up, but um, that's about all I can say. What, what do you think about a, a, Le- a Lily Letty carded Leia Poncho? Okay, wh- while they're thinking, I'm just going <laughs> to say the number. You ready? Yeah. $2,900. All right. Who else has a number? Fifteen hundred. All right. What about you, Chris? Four hundred fifty. Whoo, Ron, sixteen seventy-five. So wow, he's on fire. <laughs> he's on fire. Hey, um, and and you were saying I haven't actually heard the most recent David Quinn. We should actually give it a give it a shot out. So you're yeah. you're saying it's yeah. about uh, vintage prices? Uh, he had a guy on there who. I, I hate to say I'm not familiar with, but there was a guy who like is big into selling loose figures, and they just go through like the whole line, like what's what's hot in loose figures, and it's pretty interesting just because I used to buy and sell loose figures back in the '90s, so it's like curious to hear like what people are paying for now, and you know what's the hot thing. Yeah. And the Leia Poncho was one they talked about with all the accessories. You know, it's like oh well, just to buy the Poncho alone costs. X amount, you know. Right. Like, yeah. That's what I never think it's about. So hard. It's 
prices fluctuate so much because so many new people in the hobbies and stuff, and it's crazy. You have to, it's, it's you have to really know specifics. Like, like that Letty, those Letty. Sometimes I see Letty, it's like, oh, that should be a lot. It's like it doesn't sell for anything. So yeah. it's all like specifics that you have to really be really in on. You know, and nowadays people are collecting like copyright dates and things, and they people <laughs> yeah. who are very focused on that know some very minutia that makes the difference between this one. And the other one that you can't see a difference from eight inches away. I want like, two thousand dollars for the Hong for Kong Lumat. <laughs> 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 Fucking Hong Kong. So Lumet. yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. You have two two left. You guys are doing all right. You know, for for how for how much you hate this show. This, whole, this, this yeah. show. How much you hate this game? You're doing well. Yeah. All right. So up next, this is a Power of the Force carded figure. It's ungraded. Uh, it's got a, a dented and yellow bubble. Oh, that was produced for POTF? Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, okay, you learn something new every day. If I just had a trademark. <laughs> you trademark. had a trademark. <laughs> okay, I'm going to say $200. All right, Sky, you got 200 All right, who's next? Uh, 125 All right. 225 one fifty nine. So can I do oh. math? Yeah, that's Ron, right? God damn, uh, it's a ringer. <laughs> it's no so fair. He pays attention Ron, to stuff. Ron wins the game, but uh, I figured <laughs> we could do one okay, last one. one. Last and, one. and this one, there, there's a there's a sentimental value to this one okay. here. So this is a uh, just the debut Return of the Jedi seventy seven A carded figure. It's graded by CAS eighty five. Uh, it's got a yellow bubble, and it was sold by our our good friend, the toy chamber, Todd Chamberlain. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's not fair because both Ron and Chris talk to Todd Chamberlain every day, so. <laughs> it's not like he tells me what he sold his yellow bubble lay a poncho for. <laughs> Jeez. Um, He's mostly telling me about like digging like trenches in his backyard to grow potatoes. <laughs> that's really what he's to, to grow. Leia Poncho, Power of the Force figures. <laughs> Herbs. Yeah, here we go. All right, right so he so said 85. You... Okay. It's graded 85. Yeah. Okay. Okay, I'm going to say right, I'm going to say $302 because if I said $300, Chris would just say 301. So I'm going to outsmart him and say 302. Okay. <laughs> Man, I was going to say 300, but since Sky said that, I'm going to say uh, 350. All right. I'm gonna go down two sixty. Three forty nine. Wrong. Oh, oh man, I'm on fire. <laughs> you are, you're on figgity fire. That's the term we we came up with on this show earlier. You are on figgity fire, Ron. Alright. That's you can all take your, your combat ponchos off. You survived the war. Um it's it's over. <laughs> Ron and a landslide. Yeah. That's the most definitive victory we've well, ever had. I think so. Yeah, think so. usually, yeah, it's it's not quite as one-sided. <laughs> Complete luck. Uh, you know, it's funny. We we talk a big game about uh, being happy that celebration is canceled, and and I am to some extent. But then I am really bummed out that I don't get to hang around with Ron and Chris. So, anyways. Oh yeah, man, it stinks. The whole getting together aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. It's too soon for celebration, though. It's it, you know, whatever. There'll be other times, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, this is this has been good. I'm glad you guys could could come on and, and survive. <laughs> all right. All right. Cool. Well, yeah. we'll see y'all on Deal or No Deal. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, that went well, Steve. Yeah. I mean. Did you ever think we could get the two of them together for a market watch? <laughs> I really didn't. I, I just did I didn't it. Think that was possible. I did it the way that they used to do consent in like old timey movies. You're like, stop! No, sure you do, toots. No, I don't. Here, just how much is this market? I'm making a rape oh. joke, Steve. This is. Oh man. No, but it's a joke about old time move about old time movies. <laughs> oh this, lord! This went just south. <laughs> The thing is, Steve, I've just kind of had kind of a crappy day, but I'm just kind of pushing through. I actually wasn't going to record, but um, my, my wife was like, Sky, you need it. You need to do something today. So I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do it. Yeah. Um, well, glad to, to be of help in some way. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's there, good. there are, um, speaking of people who are often on the show, Mateus does have a, a run of Leia Poncho. And uh, we'll, yeah, we'll include yeah. a picture I of that. Yeah, I initially thought, like, Oh man, do we do we need to call Matthias in because he's he's got some pretty amazing stuff on the figure, which uh, he's he's shared quite a bit on Facebook. Um, it's all, yeah, kind of related to the power of the Force end of things. So he's got a nice 2D run of of proofs and a chromalin and a a mock-up. Um, and then in terms of the the surviving coin prototypes, I think he has everything but one piece that he's still looking for. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a uh, I don't know, I. I I thought oh, he would be great to, to, to come on, but if we can't do that, we should at least give him a shout-out for the the awesome stuff he has for the, for the figure. Yeah, and speaking of awesome shout-outs and people who are in different time zones, um, we are either going to get uh, Mark Catley from New Zealand on right now to talk about some New Zealand things, and if we do, I'm going to put that in right now. If we didn't, I'm going to try to convince him to write a blog post and then I'm going to try to convince you to edit it. Okay. How does that sound, Steve? Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, if if we if we did that, we could even do a a, a blog log. And then pod. do a blog log pod because he's really yeah. like dredging up a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of information about things that are happening in New Zealand. He's really out there for the New Zealand collectors, and I think that might be the best way to do it to kind of like do the full kind of archive car wash bring in the information and kind of get it out there. So one, yeah. one way or the other, uh, we'll, we'll get that out soon, which only leaves yeah. us with feedback. I don't care about feedback. So Steve, what's happening in baseball exactly? <laughs> Are they playing well, games right now? They're, they're playing a game. They're just starting right now. Um, really? It's kind of weird. It's kind of so weird. There's, there's no audience? Um, Is that the thing? Yeah, there's just cardboard cutouts. It's, what? Uh, cardboard? It's Are you serious? I'm totally serious. Yeah, totally serious. Um, you, I, I know... I'm sure multiple teams are doing this, but I think what they're doing is you can basically make a charity donation of it's probably it's probably a pretty high amount. But what they do is you send a, a photo of yourself and they just paste it on to a cardboard cutout and they're literally sticking those in the stands and they're piping in audio of crowds. It is the most bizarre thing, uh, but. I don't know. Because for, for the first time ever, I missed the fantasy baseball draft. I was really scared when I did not see you there. Why didn't somebody I, I just the... contact me and say, hey, Sky, are you doing this tonight? I figured that – because I, I completely missed the first half of it. I, I was with you. Like I completely 
had forgotten about I just don't baseball. check that email all the time. And I just yeah. I just don't believe that baseball is going to happen. I understand that it's happening right now, but I don't believe I kind it. Of believe, I, I, I don't think it'll be sustainable. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like, that would be like if they told me, like, on August, like, 30th, that celebration started. But, like... Right. But it's yeah. going to be in uh, rural, like, eastern Texas, like, the town of Tyler, Texas. And uh, it's just going to be one little room. And I'd be like, oh, cool. wait, what? So... All right. Yeah. All right. So baseball well, is happening. So currently we are tied. Uh, at, that's right. But you're going to do better than I am because I, I, I'm, I'm basically well, boycotting. I can't. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, we'll see. I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to, to, to think as positive as I can. Um, and, you know, on that, uh, that note, too, I thought there was something I, I texted you a couple of days ago as I was looking for stuff. And I just remembered it earlier today and didn't put it in the notes. But... <laughs> Uh, there is a great tops card with with Leia Poncho that I. Oh I my God! It, You've been wanting to talk about this the yeah. whole show, Steve. I think it. Please I'm trying to be us. positive here. Yes. I'm trying to be positive. Very positive. Yeah. This has been a very positive show, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so. This tops card. It's it's the the scene where she's kissing Han at the end of the movie, but the caption is "Time out for love." Time out for <laughs> love. And I I just you know. I think uh, in a lot of ways, that's kind of what recording the podcast is. Yes. You know, if you're having a bad day, Sky, it's a timeout. You know? Yes, timeout time for out. love. So anyway, um, yeah, up next, we got we got Wicket. So oh, that's, I'm a, sure we'll, that's a big deal. That's awesome. It's a big one. Yeah. 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 And I, I think it pairs well with, with this one, too, given the, the earlier discussion. So that'll be fun. Cool. All right, see. Well, uh, Wampa Wampa. Yes. Star Wars, 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 Star Wars,